This is Nick Miller with Dust Biters, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. So uh, we can just jump right in if you want. So yeah, for, for those not familiar with Dust Biters, can you give us the two-sentence elevator pitch, boardroom pitch, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> um, I'll give mine, and then maybe Tommy can give like a more cohesive one. But uh, I, I like to say that <laughs> we're, we're, we're the music that they play at the county fair on the really fast rides. They have to be a certain height to ride on. Nice. I love that one. <laughs> we just uh we just had uh, we just had a series of questions asked to us about how to describe our sound and I I absolutely love that Miller. I think my answer was a 1977 Pontiac Firebird in a bag of shrooms. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to process what you just said. That's pretty interesting. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about progeny then. That's now that it's out, what's been the response to it so far? It's been it's been crazy, honestly. Like um, it just seems like the moment that we started soliciting, uh, if people want to review it or talk about it, we've got nothing but yeses. So we've been doing b- a bunch of interviews and uh, blogs and stuff like that, and the numbers are just they just keep climbing. I think like I've checked it like two days ago, and we're up like fifteen thousand plays just on the single. That's not even counting the music video, right? Which I mean, for a regional band out of Chicago, that's huge. Yeah, it's massive. Just connecting with people. How does it make you feel that? You know, your song's out there and it's connecting with people clear across the globe, right? Somewhere in India, somebody could be streaming Dust Biters. Well, the, 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 second, the, like the second country that listens to us the most is France, which really? that's awesome. Yeah, that's really, really awesome. And it's cool knowing that we hit, we're building an audience in other countries because hopefully we can one day get over there. Yeah. Are you guys planning on taking this on the road at all? We've done uh, it. We did a small tour. Oh, sorry, Miller. We did a small tour. Um, Later in the summer, we hit a couple East Coast venues, some Midwest venues. Um, we've done a few things kind of uh, earlier than that. And, and since then, our goal definitely is to hit West Coast, East Coast and travel internationally. And I think for us, just as musicians, you know, the four of us have a lot of fun playing the music that we play, writing, performing together. Uh, Progeny was just, you know, a blast to write and to perform just in our studio space. Uh, let alone for other folks. So the fact that we're getting this great reception is just more of a motivation to go and play in front of people. Um, Like I said, we could just do this in our studio and be perfectly content. But the fact that people are enjoying what we're doing is, is just really inspiring to us. So yeah, I'd love to continue to bring it on the road. Okay. Um, When you guys are writing, are you writing how the song is going to come across like in a live setting or on stage? Or are you writing a song just for the song's sake? Ooh, um, I don't, I don't know. Like we don't, I don't really consider that typically usually I, so progeny, for example, like is actually a really unique situation because the chorus of progeny we wrote when we first started the band, like on, like on my couch, me and our singer, Nick, we were like just writing riffs for the band. Um, and we just couldn't fit it into any other songs and it just really worked with progeny. Um, and then the rest of it, Kinsley kind of like wrote at home and brought two rehearsal one night and we just kind of sat down and just started writing the song and um we built around that we try to be kind of mindful for hooks and like if we you know like we don't want to go 
too crazy on solos and things like that. But I mean, sometimes we just like, we're, we're just self-indulgent, you know, like a lot of these parts sure. are literally just us trying to make ourselves have a good time while playing the music. And then usually if we like what we're playing, there's a good chance that the audience is going to like it. Okay. Do you consider when you're writing, making sure, or do you think about not writing the same song previously or the same record previously? Does that make sense? Do you think about differing song, the song? Um, yeah, I mean, Tommy, I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer and then maybe you have a different one, but, um, the only thing that we try to do is like, if something sounds really similar to something that we've done before, um, you know, like we might try to step to the side of that or, or like maybe change it up a little bit. Um, but only if it's like, like a carbon copy, you know, like it's just really, really, really identical because I mean, like if we just play like a slightly different drum beat to it and he's singing different vocals over it, you can't really tell if it has like similar note structure or anything like right. that. And you don't want to change your brand. So you, you kind of have to be similar, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy, maybe you have some insight on that. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's a combination of just staying true to what feels good for the song and then also wanting to do something uh, to keep ourselves interested. So, yeah, I mean, when we write stuff, Project is actually a great example. I mean, the intro and that kind of drum beat just came from me experimenting with stuff. And then it was the, you know, Nick, the two Nicks and Brian that were like, let's actually make that kind of the verse the intro and the verse so that came very naturally is like this kind of hi-hat to flam on the snare became really a theme for a large part of the song um but yeah when we're writing and, and kind of like a and, and being stuff um i definitely want to switch up my drum parts um i want to make the drum parts interesting right um so yeah if, if we're writing a song maybe we'll start out with a chorus um, where the riff is kind of the center and then I'll, I'll start with a beat and then maybe I'll, I'll swap out a few versions of that beat until we get to something that feels good. But it really is all just in service of the song. If, if we do something that, you know, is slightly similar to something that we've done in the past, as long as we're confident that that um, is cohesive in and of itself with the song, it's at this point, we're so new. It's we're just trying all sorts of things and, and trying to just stay genuine to the music that we're working on at that moment. Right. So I see that you've been releasing singles, but are you planning on doing like the old school model and releasing an EP or a record? Or are you just going to stick with the new business model and do the single thing, video single thing? So we actually, um, so we released the album Guilt in August of last year, and then we've been releasing singles off of that. Um, and Progeny is the first single, and we were waiting to have like the music video ready to go for it, and we wanted that all to come out at the same time. Um, so I think off of guilt, we probably have like two more singles that we want to feature off of it and kind of promote. And then we're going to, I mean, like we haven't like fully committed to this, but we've talked about it. We're probably going to switch to the newer model of releasing a single, doing a bunch of marketing and promotion around the single right. playthrough videos, music video, live performance video, all of that stuff. Um, I mean, like, the reality is, is, is as much as we want to do the old school release an EP, release an album, that kind of stuff. It's expensive. Well, not only, not only is it expensive, it's just people don't have the attention span to care. So it's just like they might listen to the first couple of tracks on the record and then, you know, set it to a set it aside because something else came out that has their attention. Right. It's an absolute. My... Go ahead. No, my uh, one of my favorite songs on guilt is actually the last song. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why one of it is just the fact that it's so different from all the other tracks on the record. Uh, we wrote that record and and arranged that record because we all grew up loving albums, listening to albums from start to finish. Right. And so there is there. Yeah, there, there is a flow through the entire thing. And, and when you get to that last track, it's it's 
kind of a reward. We didn't put it there because it's our least favorite song on the record or, or the least you know strong song on the record. But I think as a result of that, people might miss it. And uh, so I want to bring attention to that. But yeah, in the future, you know, the the ease of writing and releasing almost immediately um, is it's just a little bit more comfortable for us at this stage in our career because uh, we're all four very busy people. Um, but it, it works, too, for kind of the way in which people are absorbing music, you know, in, in the current yeah. sense. Yeah, people are consuming music in anything in these short, like you said, 30 second quantities. And it's it's tough. Sure. Because I'm yeah. old school like you and I, you know, I, I like the record. I like sitting down and reading it and listening to it and whatever. Absolutely. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. I was going to say, I think that like, no matter what we, we release moving forward, I think we'll always eventually like accumulate them and put them out as a physical release of some sort. Um, I just enjoy that process far too much. And right. I just, I, I love having everything available and accessible online, but for those that want a physical copy or the audio files that, you know, like want to hear it on, on record, um, I, I want to make sure that we have those kind of things. And plus it's just cool to have that stuff like on your merch table and available. Yes, I agree what's your writing process like are you guys all writing together in a traditional sense since you're all in chicago or are you still emailing stuff and filing stuff back and forth uh we so we are we we honestly like we have enough time to get together once a week for about four to five hours uh mm -hmm. but we do we get a lot done um typically either me or kinsley are coming to the table with 80 percent of a song ready to go riff wise um, and then once Tommy hears that and, and Brian hears it and they start to throw in their stuff, we tend to deconstruct some of the song structure that, you know, like walked in the door. Um, and then we start to re-put it together. And then sometimes songs can like come real quick, you know, like the song pray for me. I think we wrote that in like two rehearsals and it just came together. Uh, the song we were working on now, the structure was finished within like three or four rehearsals. And now we're just like kind of adding ear candy and tightening things up. Right. Um, but other songs like the song that we had, we just finished writing called bittersweet, uh, that took us almost three months. You know, we just really want to make sure that like the small little transition parts were, were perfect and, and worked well. So that way, you know, we know that we make really weird random music. Um, and so like, we're, we're definitely an acquired taste and a niche niche style of music, but we want to make sure it's cohesive and people can chew on every single part and not feel like they're getting lost in it. That makes sense. So what is next for, for dust biters then? New material, I think new songs we've already got. In addition to Bittersweet, which we don't have a recorded version of at the moment, we have two other songs that we're confident are, are close to being finished, uh, plus another one that we're 
probably 25% of the way. So getting those recorded at some kind of capacity, either demoed, you know, and then shopped around to see if anyone's interested in, in helping us to produce a quality studio version and then playing live, kind of getting back into playing live and, and doing the things that Nick was describing, playthrough videos, kind of fun stuff, maybe some, some additional music videos, but we're just having so much fun right now in the writing process and in kind of discovering the next iteration of, of songs that I think focusing on that and preparing ourselves for the spring, summer, and fall when we can actually um, play more in front of people right. is is our goal. Are you guys pretty much uh, an in-house re- recording, mixing, mastering kind of operation? Uh, sort of. Like we have the capabilities to do our own demos, um, and they come out, you know, listenable for us. But our our engineer Alex Lechner. Um, he is incredible and he actually like has like a mobile setup so when we're ready to like do this in a way that we want to present it to the public like we usually just reach out to him and organize some time where he'll actually bring his setup to our space record everything that needs to be mic'd and then we'll go to his studio to do any of like the overdubs and vocals and Mm -hmm. and you know little little things like that and then we let him work his magic we'll wait until we get a phone call or a text message asking us if we want this done or that done but other than that he handles the rest it just takes even production wise he's taking it from there yeah, I mean, like we we try to stay as involved as we possibly can, but you get too many cooks in the kitchen, and it winds yes. up like expanding on how long it takes to get it done. So I'd rather just let him get it where he thinks it's ready, and then we'll just make minor changes. <laughs> that totally yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Did I miss anything you wanted to cover? Because that took me to the end of my questions. No, I mean, like the only immediate thing that we have coming up that you know we'd like to talk about is we're playing Livewire in Chicago on March second. Um, so if any of your listeners happen to be in the area and they want to come see us perform live, that's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. We're we're opening that, so we're going to be playing a very short, fast, and heavy set. So um, yeah, come check us out then, and we'll uh, definitely definitely follow us on some sort of platform. Either stay stay on our Spotify or follow one of our social medias because we're always putting out crazy fun stuff um and i i would the idea that we're talking about for our next music video is just outrageous so if that you give us those uh those links <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so dustbiters official for instagram um we're dustbiters on all of the platforms so if you're looking for us on itunes or spotify or anything like that dustbitersband.com for merch if we have a physical cd we have a seven inch that has our four main singles on it um and we even have two different colored cassette tapes so if anybody's looking for a physical copy of Guilt, we have everything that you could possibly want except for a full vinyl, and there's just no way that a, you know a small regional band doing a small no eight tracks track. either though, right? No, I tried to find <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I don't even know if those are still a thing anywhere, but and I would say to um, go check out the Progeny music video we released a couple of weeks ago. It's it was a lot of fun to make. We have so many funny stories just from the production of that uh it was a really interesting and rewarding process and and i would love for people to see the video and and give us comments and feedback on it as we prepare to do some other music videos Um, that would be great sweet thank you my friends i appreciate it sorry about what happened earlier not all good man i'm glad we got it done and be well good luck with the single and whatever you got coming next yeah thank you appreciate you talk to you soon have a good one okay bye Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. 
And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast <laughs>